Ideas matter. Ideas matter. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. Since this summer, we have witnessed many high-level exchanges between China and the U.S., the world's two largest economies, signaling some positive movement in bilateral ties. Are China-U.S. ties entering a new phase? How should the two countries deal with the pressing economic and political differences between them? And can they work together to help defuse the ongoing crisis around the world? To find out more, I'm glad to talk with Dr. Gao Luft, a co-director of the Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, Zhou Bo, senior fellow from the Center for International Strategy and Security at Tsinghua University, and Warwick Powell, adjunct professor at the Queensland University of Technology, and also the chairman of the Smart Trade Networks. Welcome to Dialogue. So, Zhou Bo, I will start with you. You know, we have seen a flurry of high-level visits this year from U.S. side to China, and then we have a Chinese senior diplomat and the foreign minister Wang Yi, you know, visiting the U.S. And so we have also the confirmation of contact between the military officials from both sides. For example, there's a U.S. official, U.S. officials' presence at the just-concluded Xiangshan Forum. So, how do you make of these high-level exchanges? I think things are moving in the right direction at a slow uh, pace. Uh, well, I don't believe it is uh, uh, right for us to have high expectation for all this. It is good that senior American officials come, uh, but at the same time, when you talk about a chance forum, actually, I believe uh, uh, they actually, I mean, the United States has actually wasted a, a good chance of having high level of contact with the Chinese side because this is what they have been asking for and definitely the Chinese side should have invited senior American officials from Pentagon to come, right? But uh, apparently the head of American delegation is not uh, so senior. Not so, so uh, senior, yeah. Not, not so senior. So this, of course, uh, uh, would not be helpful in having that high level you know, dialogue. Gao, you know, the question is like, if you look at the U.S. policy, on one hand, you do see, uh, you know, the engage with the Chinese side with uh, the visits by senior officials. On the other side, you do see the U.S. is not letting up uh, their control uh, of export, for example, or the chips or the sanctions on the Chinese uh, companies. Uh, so, I mean, how do you characterize the U.S. policy on China right now? Well, it's very interesting, and I'll give you an example related to your question. Uh, you know, we had a visit of um, Gina Raimondo, the Secretary of Commerce, and one of the takeaways from the visit was the need uh, of, for some sort of dialogue on export controls, which was, and, and they kind of established a, a mechanism, and then a few weeks later, she introduced a whole new set of export controls on, on advanced microchips um, without really using the very same mechanism that was established, so that, that creates a lack of trust. Okay, so visits for the sake of visits, talk for the sake of talk, this is all very nice, but when it comes to implementation, when it comes to deliverables and, and compliance with those deliverables, uh, this is very much lacking, and that doesn't leave a good taste in, in everybody's mouth, and, and quite frankly, uh, lack of interest in, in pursuing uh, talk for the sake of talk. 
Mm -hmm. Well, let's say, you know, uh, for the talks, say it's, it's, uh, it's a surface, um, you know, uh, touching the surface of the relationship, but it's not uh, really something uh, substantial. Uh, but Warwick, if you look at the recent development, for example, uh, in the media, some would say, oh, the biggest U.S. delegation of agriculture uh, is participating in the uh, Chinese uh, International Import Expo in Shanghai. This is the first time, actually, uh, for the participation from the U.S. side at the federal government level. Uh, does this mean a step forward beyond the surface of uh, talk for talk's sake? Look, to some extent, yes, but I think the other guests have nailed it, and that is that the U.S. has now developed a habit of saying one thing but doing another, and that is the fundamental concern that the sincerity underpinning the talks and the dialogues is um, starting to become quite thin. Now, in terms of participating in the Import-Export Expo, it is clearly in the American economic interest to continue to have access to the Chinese market for many of American exports because the trade uh, surplus deficit relationship means that the US does need to export more to bring that back closer to balance. So, um, so no, talk is, for its own sake, is not meaningful. Um, uh, the way that the US is framing its interest in terms of its actions is very narrow. Um, the idea of cultivating a win-win environment, I think that window is currently, uh, if not closed, it's barely ajar at the moment. Uh, Joe Boy, you know, facing such a reality, that's a challenge, you know, on one hand in the U.S., uh, you know, mostly pushing for decoupling at the same time they are demanding like, uh, oh, fair treatment of the U.S. companies so, or the access to China market. What's the right response, probably, or the proper response from the Chinese side towards such a, a U.S. policy? If you study Chinese policy, you would find that a Chinese policy toward the United States actually has been uh, fairly consistent, yeah? Because uh, our uh, leadership uh, is uh, more uh, stable, uh, therefore our policy uh, is much more stable. Uh, so American uh, change from uh, decoupling to de-risking, which are term borrowed from one line, shows that actually decoupling has failed. But as to what de-risking really means, uh, I believe uh, they still don't have a good answer. The point is, uh, the, the, the policy of having a small yard or, uh, with high fences actually is being challenged by, uh, by Americans themselves. Like the, the, the chip uh, semiconductor companies, yeah, the, who are seriously worried about losing Chinese market. So I think um, uh, the fact that uh, you talked about uh, in the beginning that more and more American senior officials are coming to China is, for me, a kind of progress in realizing that this kind of uh, you know containment policy, uh, which they would never talk about directly anyway, has not worked. So, but, but we have to back to common sense, yeah? Uh, this is a lar the largest uh, two economies in the world, and if for us to not slide into another Cold War, I think the, it is better for us to have uh, cooperation wherever possible. Then the question is uh, where it can be, yeah? Uh, because the people are looking at the same thing in different lights, but still I would say that uh, if this is not a new Cold War, definitely we should have more areas to cooperate than during the Cold War, in which 
basically it is a, a competition uh, with only two areas of cooperation, that is uh, outer space and uh, joint efforts in eradicating, in eradicating smallpox. Well, uh, Joe Boy, you know, with that uh, uh, being said, you know, uh, is, is the, the Chinese policy toward the U.S. seems to be, I don't know, surrounding the keyword like patient, you know, being patient uh, to wait for the U.S. to come back to common sense or to bring back on the right track of the relationship. Uh, is, is that a proper description of the Chinese response to the U.S. Uh, that's, you know, there's a lot of uh, hostility toward China? I think so. I think it is more, more just like a Taiji strategy, yeah? Uh, so you, you don't uh, become necessarily, uh, unnecessarily aggressive because, you know, you have to um, understand the American mentality. This is a country that believes it is the city upon the hill, that it is indispensable. And for them to see the reality that the U.S. economy now is only one-fourth one of the world compared to half of the world of the Second World War, and they, that the Western liberal democracy is in steady decline, you know, for the last 17 years. There is a time needed, you know, for them to make, uh, uh, you know, a change in the mentality. I think eventually a common sense would prevail. Yeah. Mm, common sense would prevail. Uh, speak of that, you know, this um, former Russia advisor to then President Trump, Fiona Hill, uh, she recently said in an interview uh, that the U.S. should try a Nixon on China, quote, uh, effort to reduce animosity. Uh, you know, she noted that, quote, uh, Jobo, this is for you again. We are not going to have any hope of curtailing Russia's options and getting the Middle East to calm down if we have a super antagonistic relationship with China. Is, does that, you know, reflect the kind of... Um, you know, probably rethinking about their policy or, you know, coming back, so, so, you know, so speak of like a, to, to the common sense? No, I don't think it, it is possible for Biden to make a U-turn of his policy because he's widely accused to be weak on China. Uh, but uh, having said that, it is difficult for Americans to realize how, actually how many common interests do we have. For example, in the Middle East where the war is going on, I believe China and the U.S. have two most important common interests. That is the two-state solution that is supported by both China and the United States and the Iranian nuclear issue. Yeah, the Iranian nuclear mm -hmm. issue used to be the biggest issue before the war. But uh, with this war, so who knows what uh, Iran, Iran is really thinking? We, the Iran is uh, definitely behind Hezbollah. So would they allow Hezbollah to open another front in the north, or would the Iran just, uh, you know, join the war itself if there is a conflagration of the Western situation? Mm -hmm. So in the Middle East, for example, yeah, so many people say that Americans are leaving. This is totally nonsense. Americans won't leave simply because Israel, yeah, Israel would ask for unconditional American support in any crisis. Uh, but China's interest uh, is not, you know, conflicting with American interest. Yeah, we are happy to see Abraham Accord that was actually mediated by Donald Trump. And they should not be unhappy about China's successful mediation in the Iranian Saudi, you know, uh, diplomatic uh, ties. Yes. So I think we have plenty of room for cooperation.
you know, staying on with this uh, domestic uh, uh, discussion inside the U.S., Gao. You know, in addition to Fiona Hill, we also have uh, Ryan Haas, you know, uh, a figure from the Brookings Institution. You know, he questioned uh, in the Foreign Affairs article the uh, U.S. policy on China, saying it lacks a clear purpose, and he argues for, uh, you know, that Washington's goal should to keep China entangled in the existing international system instead of isolating China. I wonder what do you make of that, all those uh, the discussion, you know, recent discussion inside the U.S.? Well, look, there are many views on uh, the various degrees of um, uh, the various temperature that should uh, uh, characterize the, the relations. But I must say that um, the think tank dwellers are not the ones that are setting the tone here. I'll try to summarize the situation. We have a president who is uh, quite weak and very unpopular and is very afraid of his own shadow. Uh, and uh, he's constantly under pressure by an extremely belligerent Congress that is pinning him and pushing him into a position of, that is it's much more adversarial than uh, it really needs to be. Uh, so uh, this is the problem, and, 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 and I think that, uh, you know, people who are outsiders to this and watching, of course, they can um, have their views, but at the end of the day, it is the administration and it's Congress that are making those choices. And, and I feel that uh, Congress has too much um, damaging influence on, on U.S. foreign policy at the moment. That includes not only China, but uh, here senior senators calling for the U.S. to go to war against Iran all of a sudden, you know, and uh, continuing to pour endless resources into the war in Ukraine. Uh, this is not really a rational uh, outlook of what's happening in the world. And with this kind of uh, driving forces, I don't see uh, that the, the reason can prevail in, in going forward especially not with an administration that is effectively fighting for its life. We do see, you know, uh, there are, say, uh, U.S. supported, uh, I would call it, um, you know, the, the, the challenges from the Philippines, for example, in the South China Sea, because the U.S. is standing behind the Philippines. And we do see more uh, disputes or rising uh, tension in that region. Uh, how dangerous is there? I mean, do you see risks in that area, uh, risks that may, uh, in, you know, uh, have China and the U.S. Uh, you know, confronting each other, even militarily. No, I don't think so. Uh, actually, I'm uh, slightly confused as to why the, uh, the Philippine government would actually uh, open uh, up uh, nine bases for Americans, because apparently uh, in the South China Sea there is nothing that is, uh, uh, you know, tremendously dangerous because uh, China being the major power actually is uh, still negotiating the code of conduct with uh, other claimants. Uh, so there is no obvious uh, threat there. And uh, between Philippines uh, and China, actually it might be ironic for me to point out the two facts. That is, uh, actually it is the Filipinos who actually used force against the Chinese 
The first in 2000 when they killed Chinese fishermen from Highland Island. The second time in 2013 when they killed the Chinese fishermen from Taiwan. So uh, people I know would normally have sympathy for small countries, right? Uh, big is big is beautiful. Small is probably lovely, but the point is it is a small who is actually using force against the big. Uh, so. Uh, whether the Americans would come in, uh, the you know, in confrontation with China because of the Philippines? No, I don't think so. Because uh, right now the most obvious problem is uh, the stranded, uh, you know, r and rusted uh, Filipino ship, yeah, uh, that uh, ran ground in the Second Thomas Show, uh, which is a promise to tow away, but they didn't. Uh, so right now they are, they, are try, they are trying to send, you know, some beauty materials to have it fortified. We would not allow that, yeah? That is a, a Chinese territory, and they violate their own promise, yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, away. Yes, okay. Uh, so Gao, you know, if you look at the U.S. policy on China, you know, uh, let's say, you know, besides this uh, trade policy, tech policy, and then, of course, there's a security issue, either South China Sea or over Taiwan. Uh, question there, uh, do you see there's a possibility or a slight chance of possibility of like a proxy war against China, maybe using smaller uh, regions or country against China? I think that the last thing the United States needs now is to get embroiled in a third uh, hotspot. You know, uh, we've seen that even with all the aid to Ukraine and the counteroffensive has not brought to any change on the ground. Uh, now we are at the beginning of a war uh, in Gaza, which could spill over to other parts of the Middle East. Uh, I don't think that this administration uh, is interested in any uh, additional uh, uh, flashpoint, especially um, given the, the high oil prices, the, 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 the risk of a, you know, some energy crisis uh, in an election year, um, the fact that uh, it is being uh, already overstretched, that there are serious uh, ammunition problems um, that nobody is really talking about, but the, the, believe it or not, the world is running out of weapons production capability, uh, or at least ammunition production capabilities. And um, uh, so I don't think that they, they are actively seeking uh, a proxy war or, or a third front of any kind. But uh, as we know in real life, um, you know, you may not be interested in war, but uh, war is interested in you. And um, that kind of situation can give all kind of actors, whether it is the North Koreans or um, in other parts of the world, in West Africa, uh, the sense that the U.S. And, it, and its allies are overstretched and are too busy elsewhere. And that could whet their appetite to to, um, to do some things in, in, in their own uh, regions. And that will force the U.S. again into uh, additional interventions. Uh, that, that it, all of this needs to be put in the context of the, the politics. We are entering an election year with a president that is highly unpopular and is already, um, in most polls, is behind his, his opponent. Uh, so this is not a good opening um, picture for, for, for election year. And, and, and I think that 
Biden will want to uh, make sure that the economy stays afloat and uh, that he can contain the, the, the various fires that may erupt uh, elsewhere in the world. Uh, but Gao, isn't it more dangerous, you know, in terms of this, uh, you, you talked about the upcoming general election in the United States, you know, uh, when it comes to the campaign uh, trail, I mean, the candidates, uh, they will be competing to show who is tougher on China. Uh, do you see there's any danger in terms of uh, uh, China-U.S. relationship there? Well, the body politics uh, will remain the same, no, no question. Uh, but I think that both sides uh, don't have uh, a fundamental interest in changing the status quo, uh, both uh, in Taiwan. Taiwan is entering elections too soon. Uh, so uh, I think that a lot will be uh, decided. I think everybody's sort of in a wait and see mode to see what uh, this election will produce, what kind of uh, political configuration will emerge in Taiwan. Um, and again, we are only in week four of a new war in the Middle East that is tremendously dangerous. And uh, it's dangerous not only because of U.S. involvement in the region, and unlike in Ukraine, the U.S. here cannot fall back on NATO. You know, in, in Ukraine, you have uh, all these NATO countries behind you, but, but here, if the U.S. gets involved, it gets involved alone. So I really don't think that anybody at the Pentagon or at the Department of State is, 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 is interested in aggravating the situation or picking up fights with, with China uh, in ways that can inflame the, the, the Indo-Pacific. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, you know, that doesn't mean that it cannot happen. There are too many places, too much room for miscalculation, for ships colliding into each other, planes colliding into each other, uh, things of this nature that could um, uh, escalate very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then nobody knows how to come off the tree and with the absence of military-to-military uh, -military dialogue, uh, that makes things even more dangerous. Uh, well, it's always good, uh, I would say, better for the two largest economies to engage with each other, or, I mean, even better for them to cooperate with each other um, to s deal with some of the hot spots. Joe Bo earlier mentioned about uh, the Gaza crisis. Um, you, you said about uh, you know, the common interest between China and the U.S. Uh, you know, seems there's no reason for them not to work together. But what we have heard is, uh, you know, from Washington, the complaint about the Chinese or lack of the Chinese support to Israel. Do you think the U.S. will accept such a scenario in which China and the U.S. will work together for the stability of this region? Uh, I really don't know how Americans will think about it, but I. Uh, Hope my uh, opinion expressed in South China Morning Post might make the, them uh, really think in this regard. Yeah, because uh, you see, all other major powers have some limits in the Middle East. China being the only country that actually befriends everybody. Right now, Russia buys drones from Iran, right? So therefore, it won't be trusted by, by Israel. But the uh, United States are giving full support to uh, Israel, how can it be trusted by the Arab world, right? And the EU is totally divided because of the protests here and there by Muslims. So I, I believe China has a role, positive role to play, but China alone cannot work, you know? So in this regard, I believe uh, China uh, is uh, 
you know, standing ready to cooperate with anyone to make the situation and you know, coming down because uh, China really is not a beneficiary of the war anywhere, not in the Ukraine, not in the Middle East. Why? Because China's interests now are ubiquitous. Yeah, the war in, uh, in, in Ukraine affects Chinese interests. And this war in, uh, in, uh, in the Middle East at least has put up the price of the oil, yeah, which would become much, much more expensive for China. So what is the, the, the use of such wars for us? Mm -hmm. uh, well, according to the White House, you know, Chinese President Xi Jinping and his U.S. counterpart Biden are uh, to meet in San Francisco on the sidelines of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Forum. What's the expectation? You know, what will be the topic? And uh, anything deliverable will be touched upon? Uh, I think the fact that uh, the two leaders now meet uh, much less, uh, uh, you know, than often than expected, demonstrate how important these meetings would be, yeah, for uh, for the two countries. Uh, because right now we do not have, uh, you know, bilateral visits, state visit. So people are actually are meeting each other at the international forums. But still, these forums uh, uh, therefore become very, very important. Uh, a, a meeting or two won't solve uh, all problems. But the good thing is, even if people see them talking, yeah, actually it's a big relief for everybody. Yeah, it's just like Wolga said, Georgia is better than World War, right? Uh, to see the two largest economy talking to each other, we know at least they are not fighting with with one another, or they are preparing to fight with one another. This is a this is a very healthy sign. And given the uh, uh, the political system, especially in our system, uh, what uh, uh, has been decided by the top leader would become very important. And so we actually have high hope for this kind of a, a meeting. Hopefully it will just uh, really bear fruits. So uh, people uh, might, you know, uh, follow the direction and uh, make uh, more fruitful outcomes. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, we come to the end for today's discussion. Many thanks to our guests. You can also find us on the CGTN app on YouTube. I'm Xu Qinzhuo. Thanks for being with us. See you next time. Take away Chinese, where you can take some Chinese away and experience progress day by day. Take away Chinese. We will promise you a difference. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. From Beijing. Roundtable. 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 Connecting China and the world. We bring you fun and timely discussions about what's affecting our lives everywhere, every day. Tune in to Roundtable.